Listen. Welcome to the Dotcast from Nine Dots. Nine Dots is the online learning community for wedding photographers. Check out everything on offer to help wedding photographers level up in photography and business at nine-dots.co. Hello, Dotcast fan. Welcome back to the Nine Dots podcast. My name is Adam Johnson and I'm your host here on the Dotcast. Although this is my final episode here and marks the end of an era for me personally after six years with Nine Dots. My fellow co-founders Andy Gaines and Rahul Kona will continue to take Nine Dots from strength to strength without me and I'm personally very excited for the next phase. Thank you wholeheartedly to everyone who has been part of my personal Nine Dots adventure since 2014. It's been a ride and a half. So, in my final episode, and as my last act for Nine Dots, who better to chat to than one of the best people I've met during my Nine Dots years, the wonderful Jen Naus, who is all the way over in Nova Scotia, Canada. Jen is part of Cooked Photography along with Jeff Cook, and we'll start off by talking quite a bit about how their unique associate studio works, and how it's allowed for Jen to become a photographer with her own voice, style and profile, while still being part of a studio. After that, we'll talk about how shooting her best friend's wedding and her own closeness to her family has shaped the way that she sees and shoots moments at weddings. We'll also talk about Jen's obsession with the Beatles and where that stems from. Any questions, comments or feedback, drop 9Dots a message on Instagram or Facebook or send an email to hello at 9-dots.co. So for the final time, here's my Alan Partridge-inspired introduction to Jen. Enjoy the episode. Knowing me, Adam Johnson, knowing you, Jen Naus. Aha. Aha. Good work. Great work. It's very nice to see you again. It's been a few years since you were at the Nine Dots Gathering in London 2017, I'm going to say. 2017, yep. Yeah, so three, almost exactly three years later, here we are. Oh, it's crazy. How's it just summarize the last three, three years in like 30 seconds. How's it been? Oh my gosh, things have been good. Um, the last three to six months in particular have been especially interesting but work's been good life's been good i i really have no complaints good good work so you are in canada yes in a place in nova scotia which is i'm right in saying that's the little tiny bit that sticks out into the atlantic yes and what's life like in nova scotia uh well right now we are in our little bubble with a few other provinces and you have to quarantine for two weeks coming in there. So we're we're doing really well in COVID, knock on wood. I think we only have one case right now, which is amazing. But I love it here. I wouldn't ever want to live anywhere else. The weather's the weather's pretty good most of the year. And it's friendly here. It's great scenery, great food. I love it. And, you've, and you've lived there your whole life. I have, yeah. And I know uh, I was reading your like bio page, the, well, today and the other day on on the on the cooked photography website and you talk about so it's like small town life is that like does that sum up nova scotia it is yeah i'd say all of nova scotia is like a small town life even when you're living in halifax which is our capital so it's everyone's so friendly here it's great it looks like it looks like a good place for food as well like i'm always jealous of the food that you post on instagram <laughs> it's very very good we have excellent like a great food scene great drink scene everything all of our restaurants really focus a lot on local so keeping everything local um whatever they can get that's close by and mixing up their menu all the time so it's very 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 good here nice and good coffee shops because obviously wedding photographers are obsessed with like artisan coffee so you must have great coffee shops we do (laughs) we do have great coffee shops and there's a really good one down the street which i do frequent but as you know i love my decaf instant coffee as do you 
So I, uh, I much prefer that to a fancy coffee shop. Yeah. We've, we've definitely bonded over the years of our love of instant decaf coffee, haven't we? Yes, absolutely. Which is what I'm drinking right now out of my Nine Dots mug. Got to represent while I'm on this. Exactly. Um, it's the best coffee. And also, you've got kind of an obsession with s- certain parts of British culture, not least the Beatles and Paul McCartney. A little bit, yep. Tiny, where, did, tiny. where did that come from? My dad, for sure. Um, I, I, one of my first memories was him carrying me around, dancing in the living room to the Beatles. And I liked the Beatles growing up, but then McCartney came to Halifax in 2012, maybe. And after seeing him live, it has exploded since then. And my dad and I have seen McCartney seven times in concert and Ringo. And Ringo actually talked to us during his concert and gave me his towel. And it was one of the greatest moments of my life. But to say that I'm obsessed is still an understatement. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I would agree. I would agree. because when you came over for Nine Dots, did you, you, did you go to Liverpool while you were here? No, I've been to London twice and still haven't gone to Liverpool. I oh, sound like a fan, to. I know. But yeah. I did cross out the road, so that was Oh good. yeah, you did, yeah. That was a special moment. Because you did, you, did you bring your dad over with you when you came for Nine Dots? No, I uh, brought, dad and I came over when I was still in school and then I, uh, he didn't make it for that trip. But I crossed Abbey Road the day after the Nine Dots party. Yeah. So that was that was a very tired Abbey Road crossing. <laughs> yeah. Tired and hungover. That's one of yeah. my favorite one of my favorite memories is our four AM McDonald's after that after that nine dots after party. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. That was the <laughs> McDonald's I've ever eaten in my entire life. <laughs> was Paul always your favourite Beatle? Or did he become your favourite Beatle after seeing him live? Uh, he was always my favourite Beatle. Uh, see Ringo was always my favourite. Really? Yeah. Ringo's really- like I don't know if you Ringo's an extra special over here because as well as well as obviously being a Beatle. Um he was the narrator on a children's TV show called Thomas the Tank Engine. Did Thomas the Tank Engine ever make it over to Canada? Oh, big time. Yeah, I grew ah. up watching Thomas the Tank Engine. With Ringo yeah, narrating? Sure. Yep. Ah, perfect. I was wondering if you yeah. knew about that side of Ringo, because that's a special side of Ringo. 100% knew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We should probably talk about photography, since that's the... Oh, sure. We can touch on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then we'll come back to talking about other things. So obviously you have... Was there a... Was there a before we talk about what you did, your kind of photography life, was there a lot, was there a career before photography? Um, there was want of another career. I, I think since grade eight, I don't know why I got it in my head, but I wanted to be a pharmacist. And I think my dad was a dentist. So I liked the idea of doing something sciencey and in the health profession, but didn't want to necessarily follow in those footsteps. And I liked the problem solving of being a pharmacist and, uh, I went to Dal, which is a big university here, and did two years of a Bachelor of Science, and I loved it, but I just, turns out I did not want to be a pharmacist, I didn't want to be a biologist, I didn't want to be an environmental science scientist, so I ended up, throughout all that, choosing the path of photography, so I think that was a good decision on my part. <laughs> but, but how? Because I, I know on the website you say that... Uh, you say something like is it certain events led you to it led you into photography so what were, what were those certain events that led you into photography so when i was in second year of university i got sick and i missed a few weeks of classes and during that time when i went back to school they said all of my a lot of my exams were going to be worth 100% at the end of the year and that's near impossible to come back from when you miss 3 weeks of school 
And I realized that, you know, being a straight A student that I didn't care. And I thought, okay, you need to figure out something else that's going to make you happy because clearly this isn't. So I thought I'll take some time off and, you know, figure out what I'm going to do over the next year. And then I remember watching um, a commercial for a photography, just this online photography program. And I said, you know what, mom, I think I'll just sign up for this in the meantime. And she said, I've never seen you so excited over anything in your whole life before. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe I think I want this more than I actually realize. So I ended up going to school for it. And here we are. Amazing. Yeah. And then how did, so you've now part of obviously cooked photography with Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, was that like your first, was that how you, did you go straight into that or were you, were you like, working on your own name for a bit first or did you go straight into working with Jeff? I pretty much went straight into working with Jeff. It was kind of serendipitous that um, I did three years of school and after um, I guess it would have been my second year, we had to do a work term and it was kind of up to us to figure out where we wanted to go and who we wanted to work with. And I was itching to go somewhere else and my prof actually set me up with someone in New York and I was so excited to go there. And then my parents said, you know, you're 21, 22, however old I was. They said, you're not going to New York by yourself. It's just, that's not happening. Figure something else out. And then that was a blessing in disguise because almost immediately after that, I found Jeff's work. And I thought, this is absolutely who I want to work with, without a doubt. I did not want to shoot weddings. That was bottom of the totem pole for me. And I said, I love his work so much. I don't care if he's a wedding photographer. I just, I need to learn from this guy. Um, So I did a five-week work term and this March marked 10 years of working together. Wow. Yeah. You're a big fan of serendipity, aren't you? I I am definitely, yes. Yeah. And that's something else you mentioned. You obviously mentioned the serendipity around the Beatles. So just having that little bit of about the kind of finding Jeff and everything else must kind of go along with the, the kind of romance of of the the career path, I suppose. I fully agree with you. I do. Yeah. I think everything happens for a reason. And even if you think you're on the wrong path at one point or you don't know what's going to happen, you will lead to what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I agree. So obviously that, so you start working with Jeff and uh, what is a work term? That's like an intern. That's like a free like yeah. working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a five week free, yeah. free work. It's not a very, it's not like, it's not a very British, uh, we don't have that over here, I don't think. No, well, <laughs> no. a lot of people have it here. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so how did that turn into 10 years? Just because it was a match made in heaven type thing and you just enjoyed working together and... Yeah, we worked really well together right from the get-go and it was also serendipitous timing for him because he, um, I think he had his business for a year in the States and then he moved home, him and his wife and kids, and his business was really ramping up in Halifax. So he didn't necessarily have an assistant on his radar at that time. But once I came in and he saw what could be done with two people, he realized what a benefit it was. So it was just good timing for both of us. And we worked well together and I clicked with his family and they're, you know, they're my best friends, his wife and kids too. So it was a good match and it just went from there. And it was a slow build up from going from, assistant to associate and shooting weddings on my own through cooked. So what, what were you doing at first? Cause I know you mentioned, I think you mentioned that you were doing, you became the editing manager at some point as well. So you were kind of in control of the editing for, for what, for, for your work and Jeff's work. Yeah. So when I started, I would basically just follow Jeff and hold a light and light everything and kind of chat with clients and 
I think I picked up my camera on the first shoot that we went to, but it was mostly just lighting and learning to edit and learning his style. And I was still in school, so I had a phenomenal amount left to learn at that point. Um, and then it was slowly as I built my skill going from holding a light to shooting a little bit more and learning about weddings and how they worked, um, editing more. And Jeff will edit some of his work, but if we shoot a wedding together, you know, he might edit 20, 30 of his favorite photos and then I do the rest of it. So. Oh, still even, what... even now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you've just got a really kind of great working relationship and you, and everything just works between the two of you, obviously in the, in the business. So it's, it's cool to see that when you came over, but so that was what, did you say that was like 2010, 2010 when you started kind of yeah. working and assisting? How long, yeah. how long was it after that and before you kind of became a, a, a kind of a separate photographer on working under that brand? Um, I don't know. It was a really slow transition over the first couple of years. And I'd say it's been the last four, maybe, that I've been shooting weddings on my own. So I'd say every year, Jeff and I will each shoot half of our weddings by ourselves. And we might bring in our own assistant and then shoot the other half together. Um, but it's been a really good, easy transition. So it's been so slow over the years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's funny one to think about because obviously there's this kind of, there's kind of what people talk about, like the associate model where there's like a studio and then they'll bring an associate in when they get too much work. But that associate is very much um, just a kind of an anonymous ex additional photographer that works in that brand, shooting, shooting under that brand in the same style and voice and everything else. But I, I get the feeling that it's not really that way with, with you and Jeff and that you are your own person, your own photographer within the studio yeah which that's something i really appreciate working with jeff is that ever since i started his goal was not for it to always be jeff with an assistant and he always wanted it to be an associate business model like you just described where he has his own voice i have my own voice and when we shoot a wedding together it's a very cohesive collection and you wouldn't you know necessarily be able to pick out oh jeff took this and jen took this um, but we do still have our own style and our own voices. So if you were to hire one of us for family, you know, you'd get a slightly different product just because it's reflecting each of us. And he's always done that within the marketing. And I very, very much appreciate that. And I remember, I remember that's the, that's definitely the way it came across when you guys came over to, to obviously speak for us at nine dots. Um, and it was just really nice to see that because it wasn't that there was no ego from you know either from jeff or from you or, or uh and obviously i think when when um yeah it take i think it takes a certain level of humility which clearly i know that you have and that jeff has to work an associate model in that way where each person is allowed to grow their own identity i guess within that within that so that's yeah, very, I, I agree. It's cool. It's cool. yeah and you have to know that you have to work together a lot of the times and it's not your own business and we are I feel we're good at helping each other and kind of picking each other up and building each other. So that's good. And I know we, I know we talked about it before, before we started recording, but, um, and I know the, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, but <laughs> have you, have you ever thought of, Oh, now it's time for me to go and like spread my own wings and be my, and be go go it alone and start and start kind of by yourself away from cooked photography. 
Uh, the answer is a resounding no. And I have been asked that probably since the day I started working with Jeff. And I know that's what most people do when you're a photographer and you own your own business. Um, I've always wanted, like, when I decided I wanted to be a photographer, I have never had dreams of owning my own business. It's, I watched my dad own his dentistry business and he was very successful, but I also saw how stressful it was for him. And I want to, that's just not a, a dream of mine. And working with Jeff is, it's easy. It's fun. We have a good relationship. I don't, I'm not, you know, in the work environment wanting more. I'm not wanting more of my own voice or more control or anything. I feel we have such a good situation going and we really, really enjoy working together. So I, I'm very happy. That explains yeah. why you have such good teeth as well. If your dad is a dentist. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had no other option there. <laughs> yeah. Good, good work. Um, <laughs> He'll so, appreciate but, uh, that when he listens to it. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, they, uh, and then we'll come back to talking about the Beatles, and we'll talk about him again later, I'm sure. But uh, the, uh, but how do you, I mean, there must be a big part of you that kind of still, I mean, obviously it's working because uh, you've got that kind of freedom within the business to still have your own name. And obviously you won, I think you've you've been named the one of the top photographers, 30 under 30 or something, whatever it's called, in Canada twice. Um, so you've clear, you've, you, yeah, you've got uh, you've clearly been able to grow your own profile within that associate model, which I think I think that's quite difficult. That's not I wouldn't say that's an easy thing to do. So how how has that been enabled to to work? Where you've been able to have your own profile, but still be p- very much part of Cook's photography. I think it's been very strategic on both of our parts, and it helps that, like I said, when Jeff brought me on, he had that as a goal already so we've both worked towards that of you know I learned so much from him especially being in school and as I think as we saw that we have similar shooting styles but still slight differences that it was going to be beneficial for both of us and the business and our happiness as photographers to have our own um, separate identities within the brand so and it helps with business too because we both draw in similar, but also different clients. So it, it really does help overall business. Do you remember the first time that somebody came specifically wanting you? I don't remember necessarily like exactly which client it was, but I remember over the years when people would start coming to ask for me instead of Jeff and Jen, <laughs> I had this overwhelming feeling of, Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> <laughs> And how did Jeff feel? Jeff, I mean, that Jeff must be quite, I know what, what kind of person Jeff is as well. So he must, I mean, he would have been more proud of it than threatened by it, I guess, in most oh, ways. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you guys are just a, a little family. That's what I, that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I go to the gym with his wife all the time and hang out with their kids and yeah. Cool. Little- that's very cool. So when you, when you and Jeff, I mean, you said you shoot about half your weddings separately from each other, but then you shoot a certain proportion of weddings together every year. Yes. How how does the how what's the how does the dynamic work when you're shooting together? Is it like is there a lead and a second or is it two leads or do you just play it by ear on the day and bounce off each other? So over the last couple of years we've it's a since we started shooting separately, we've definitely become more of two leads who are shooting the wedding together. And over the last few years specifically, we've got this really good process down where one of us will go with the guys, one of us will go with the girls, and we basically don't see each other until the ceremony. And we come together for family portraits, and we're together for the rest of the night, but still our focus is 
you know, if I'm with the guys, my focus for the rest of the night at the reception, I'll shoot everyone. But during speeches, I'm more focused on, you know, the groom and his family's reaction. And Jeff is still a little more focused on the bride. So we kind of have our own stories that way and our own focus. Uh, so I think that really helps for us instead of two leads fighting over certain shots, which has happened before. And we, <laughs> we learn, we're like, okay, we need to find a different strategy here. This is not working. Uh, so that's a really, really good strategy for us. Yeah. Is, and is that, is that an unspoken thing these days or is that something you still kind of discuss on the day and just kind of tell each other what you, what you, what to do or what each of the viewers thinking of doing? Um, we will discuss beforehand. So, you know, you're going to go with the guys. I'm going to go with the girls. I'll see you at three o'clock. And during, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess really the only thing that we might discuss is when it comes time for creative portraits, we'll come together and say, okay, well, I have these couple ideas and you have these, that you take them for five minutes and then I'm going to go scout something and I'll take them um, just so we're not on top of each other for the same, going for the same shots all the time. Yeah. And during the reception, I might say, okay, well, this round of speeches, I've got all the reactions. You focus on the speech, the speaker. And then we'll swap for the next round, stuff like that. And also for the for the dance, we try not to both shoot um, the dance floor at the same time because that can be a little overwhelming with two people. So maybe Jeff will shoot that and I'll go shoot the bar if people are outside and just mingling and then we'll kind of swap throughout the night. It sounds like by doing it that way as well, you both kind of come home with what would come back to the studio or whatever with, with what would be a full set of pictures each almost. Yes, we do have um, a large amount of photos to go through after. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, you know, because obviously if you're doing all or mo most of the editing, do you each cull your own photos or do you do all the culling as well? Um, no. Well, whoever does the calling, sometimes Jeff does it. Um, it's just all, everything goes in one collection and we'll just do everything at once. And then you, yeah. I find it easier that way because then I'll see what Jeff has already taken as well. And you know, maybe my shot didn't work or maybe we've got, you know, we both shot this so much that we can pare it down. So I find it really helpful just to do everything at once. And do you do that together or do you, or do you, would you do that no. by yourself? No, definitely by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could have someone watch me do it. I think it would take three times as long. Definitely. Do you ever think yeah. though, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm better asking Jeff this if he's not the one that does it, but um, I enjoy Cullen because I kind of see what I did a little bit wrong and I see, I see yeah. maybe, but if, if you're doing all the Cullen, then Jeff won't be seeing seeing that does it, um do you so if we shoot a wedding together he will generally narrow it down and give me like the first round of selects and then i will narrow it down again um and then if i shoot my own i'm gonna do that by myself but yeah he does he does a lot of the calling so i agree you learn so much yeah. based on what you shot and what whoever you're working with shot and just to see those 30 photos and see how things have changed within that time I think it's massively helpful. That's, I mean, this is, that's one, that's one massive reason why I, like me, for instance, I would never outsource that stuff because I feel like I want to be part of like involved in that. Cause I see it, I see it as a part of create the creative process, really the whole editing and culling and all the rest of it. I know so, I do too. Yeah. So I would never want to like pass that on to somebody else outside the company. Cause I want to I, I see it. I want to see it too. And <clears throat> I like the surprise of, oh, I, I didn't realize I took that shot. That's great. I'm so excited about it. Or, you know, being able to edit it and kind of have your vision come to fruition when you know what you've shot. 
um, it gets a little tedious come November and December and I'm working on backlogged weddings at that point in time, I think, oh, maybe this is the year that I outsource and <laughs> never do. But uh, yeah, I enjoy it. And I think it's a part of the process, like you said, and you get to put your own personal touch on it. And also, I think you, you people take for granted. People don't realize, I think, how much your editing style can just evolve very tiny bits over time. So from one year to the next, you, you if you're outsourcing, like it would never that evo- that evolution would never happen. That's true. Yep. Yeah. And I learn about different editing styles, even you know within the same wedding year. And I've just learned some new techniques recently that have been really fun to do. So I think. There's always something to learn, whether you're shooting or editing, and I like that. Yeah, I agree me too. With you. Me yeah. too. So, what what's the wedding industry like in Nova Scotia? Is the is it mainly local weddings, or is it people traveling to Nova Scotia to get married and like have destination weddings there? Is it or is it a mixture? It's definitely a mixture. Yeah, there's a lot of local weddings, um, and there's a lot. I find there's a lot of people who come here who maybe aren't from here but went to school here and moved away after school or moved home after school and loved it so much that they come back to get married which is great because Nova Scotia is wonderful and it's so beautiful and the older I get the more I realize why it's such a tourist destination and we have so many different scenic spots that it seems like every corner of Nova Scotia is different and every little town is different and we have everything from you know, big fancy 600 person weddings to little tiny backyard weddings and everything in between. So it's every weekend is so different and there's such a variety of weddings here and a lot of people come from away. And do you, um, are most, of, are most of your weddings in Nova Scotia or are they all over the place? All over the place. Um, I, I'd say most are in Nova Scotia, um, but we travel through Canada and Europe and down South and I mean, came to London. Not that that was for a wedding, but it's, <laughs> there's travel involved for sure. Yeah. It's great though, isn't it? It's such a, that, that's, I mean, hopefully we get back to that world. We uh, will. Suit, one day, yeah. uh, I'm sure I will. love I'm traveling sure. for weddings because it, it makes me appreciate home even more. And I just find I have new ideas when I travel and you get to meet new people and keeps you on your toes, you know, does, all about it. it. So and the other thing you talk about in terms of your photography style is, is how much it's, influenced by how close you are to your own family yes definitely and so talk about that a bit because I, I think that's one of the things that people need to realize over time is that part of i think part of what drives your own style as a photographer is who you are as a person and, and your background and, and all the rest of it so uh like i'm good i i'm not i'm not particularly close to my fa- my family so i'm going to photograph weddings in a different way to you um yeah so what is it about your closeness with your family that is so important to your style and the way you approach weddings one thing that you just said <clears throat> that I find fascinating is you could be thrown into the same wedding or the exact same scene. Like you and I could be standing side by side, shooting the same moment unfolding. And based on our backgrounds and who we are, we are going to shoot it so differently, which is, I feel like that's a good experiment to have sometime. Um, <laughs> but growing up, I was just very, very close to my family and this I've always valued the very small connections that people have together um, and little moments that mean a lot to them. So whether it's, you know, for example, all the women in my family are very, we love our jewelry and I have a lot of family jewelry that has been passed down to me. So if I'm at a wedding and I see mom is, you know, passing on 
you know, grandma's wedding band or sewing something intricate into uh, the dress, then I'm all over that because that means so much to me. And that's something that I would want photographed in a very big way at my wedding. Um, and just, I find, you know, if someone reaches out and grabs someone else's hand and it's just a small moment or grandparents are there or just the little details throughout the day, like I'm definitely big on those small moments because that's what I grew up with and that's what I was influenced with. Um, so I do think that your background and you're going to focus on things that are completely different than what I would focus on. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. I was listening. I was listening without thinking of the next question. That's not, not, the, <laughs> not, the, not the best way to do a podcast. But I think that's, um, it is fascinating that I think that I've always found that fascinating that, cause I, I, I remember kind of an epiphany for me really. And was that sometimes you'll see a picture say a bride's best friend will take a picture of the bride on a, on a phone. Mm-hmm. And the expression and the way the bride is in that photo, I, I sometimes look at it and go, I could never, ever. I mean, the, the quality isn't going to be like what I can get on my like special cameras, but I could never capture her in the way you just captured her on your phone because I'm not you. And, and she's never going to react to me in the way that she's going to react to uh, her best friend, for instance. It's so funny. I've thought that too. I really yeah. have. It's, it's something that I find very frustrating at times because- Very same you know, I can get laughs out of people. And of course you wait for a moment and you hope to be, you know, behind the friend while she's shooting that. And then you end up capturing that great moment. Um, but that's not always the way it works, but it's those connections that you make with people that really bring out your true personality. Yeah. So you're hundred percent right in that. That's our challenge, I think, isn't it? To get as close to as possible as we can to that on the wedding day. We're never going to get quite there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's something that you have to do I mean, you start building that connection in the meetings that you have beforehand, whether it's on Skype or the phone or in person. And, but the second you walk in the room, you have to win every single person over and be their best friend right away. And that's hard sometimes. How do you go about doing that? Do you have, a, do you have any tactics, any specific tactics? Um, I don't know if I have any specific tactics. Um, just like try and chat with people and find out what they're doing and I, I really like to learn about people's connections. So one of the first things I will ask once I kind of get in and get settled and take a couple photos is, so how do you guys all know each other? Like what's, what are the girls' connections? Did you guys grow up together? Are you family? Are you, you know, whatever. So I find that helps. And then you can kind of interject a little bit about yourself during that moment and just try and build a relationship from there and just be fun and, you know, hang out and people are drinking mimosas in the morning, have one and just enjoy <laughs> it. Like be part of the crew. <laughs> it's tricky. That's tricky. I've talked to other people on the, on the podcast before about the whole first impressions thing. Cause it's quite tricky that I think for a wedding photographer, but it's also often like a skill that I think we undervalue in ourselves, you know, that ability to have quick rapport with people. Yeah. Um, because it's so important. And I was, and you know, just going back to the whole, you know, frustration it can we can sometimes have with seeing a picture that a friend took and think oh why can't I make her look like that in or him look you know look like that in my pictures and some photographers for instance when they'll moan a bit about you know we've we've just taken we've just been to a wedding and taken all these beautiful pictures and the picture that they'll put on their social media the next day is like a rubbish iPhone picture that (laughs) best friend took or like granny took or mum took or something and I always like I always try and say to the people who moan about this kind of stuff that you know, it's not always just about the quality of that picture. Sometimes it's about who took it. Like It is about who took it and the emotion yeah. that they have 
from knowing that that person took it or the emotion that they have when it was taken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we might never, ever be able to beat a picture taken by the best friend or a picture taken yeah. by the mom or dad. And that's fine. We need to accept that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of my favorite pictures in the whole entire world are just silly selfies that I take with my friends. And that, you know, I feel like I shouldn't say this on a photography podcast, but I don't know what's going to trump that. Yeah. It, like just us in our element doing our thing. You know, maybe someone capturing that moment from afar would be great. But yeah, <laughs> when, you're, when you're with your friends and you're just doing your thing, that's, that's the best. How do you uh, make your connections so quickly on a wedding day? Do you have any tips? Oh, well, I'm quite, I'm, I, uh, I try and embrace my awkwardness because I think I'm quite an awkward, I think I make quite an awkward first impression, but obviously I, like as a, as a guy, I'm, I'm usually walking into a room full of girls, Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is hard, you know, it's hard enough in itself without having to then try and make the best possible first impression. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always, I've always said before that I think that most of us, I think have this kind of character that we switch on, on a wedding day. A little bit. I agree with you. Yeah. So. I guess I kind of try and snap into that character the moment before I walk into a room, but I can't like, for instance, walking into a room full of girls in, you know, not, not wearing very much. I can't hide the fact that I'm a guy that yeah. I don't, that none of them know. Yeah. And they're all kind of maybe half dressed. So, uh, I try and just kind of be, I always, my thing is that I try and go in there and behave straight away as if I've been their friend for, for many years. And, just yeah. talk to talk to everybody on that level. Like I don't walk in quietly and put my bag down and then like try and act professional and No, like, that'll never work. No. So um I always try and have like I've said this before on here, but one of my big things is everybody wa- who walks in every like member of staff, for instance, who walks in is gonna ask the bride exactly the same questions. They're gonna say, like, how are you feeling? Did you sleep did you get any sleep last night? You know, all these kind of like cliche questions. And I always try and think on the way to a wedding of two or three questions that I don't think she'll have been asked. Oh, that's so, really smart. Yeah. So that when I walk in and always positive stuff, always like never like, are you, are you nervous? Like I would never ask somebody that. Yeah. Um, so I always try and think of two or three positive things to say or ask when I walk in that makes them think, Oh, that's cool to have been asked something that, you know, the other 10 people didn't ask me. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So that, I mean, I don't, I, again, like you, I don't think I have any specific, maybe, I mean, that's a specific tactic, isn't it? But I don't, I, you, can, I, you can't walk, you can't approach two rooms or two groups of people the same either, can you? Because. Oh, no, never. No, no. That's yeah. like when it comes to posing too, I always tell my couples that I'm never, I'm not, it's not like I have a bag of tricks that I only have five poses and they get used on everyone. It all comes down to the couple. And if you're lovey-dovey or really romantic and love PDA or if you're you know really goofy and awkward I'm going to feed off of your personalities so yeah it's the same way meeting people for the first time yeah definitely it's funny that because I did a wedding uh, a couple of weeks ago like a tiny one tiny like socially distanced classic 2020 wedding and <laughs> the, cu- the couple had only been together for maybe 10 months they were they were one of these couples who just if they looked at each other they would they would kiss and yeah. they were just kissing yeah. all the time. So they didn't even need, really need any, any posing. It was just, I love that. Put them near each other and they were all over each other. So they, they were super easy to capture where sometimes you might get couples who've maybe been together for years and getting them to interact, to have any obvious chemistry on the day is hard. Yes, it is. That's when you, you have to 
go back. I know I just said I don't have a little bag of tricks, but you know, you got to go back and work extra hard and uh, make that happen. But then again, it's all about bringing out their connection by connecting with them and making them feel comfortable with you, which starts from the beginning of the day. Yeah. And I was, I think I was saying to a week ago on the podcast, uh, I was, I was speaking to Steve Gerrard, who's actually a British guy, but he's, he's based now in Montreal. So not far from you. Um, and we were talking about just how it sounds so simple to just be a nice, normal person, but that's a lot of what, a lot of what it takes, all it takes really to be like the foundation of a great wedding photographer, I think is to be a nice, normal person. (laughs) It it really is. And I think that's, you know, you could be a nice, normal person from the beginning of your career, but I think that's also a skill that you build up over time. And I like to think that I was always that way from the beginning, but I was so nervous, honestly, for years going in and meeting people. And I hope I didn't come across as too awkward. I mean, I still have my job, so must have been okay. But I do think that's something that you develop. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, I think... Like, would you describe yourself, this is kind of a, it's, it's a real hot topic in, I don't know if it's in life, but it seems to be with photographers. Like, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? So I feel like I've changed a lot over the years and I used to be very shy. And I remember a very specific um, question that my prof asked me one time when I was in photography school and I had been working with Jeff for maybe a year and he knew that I had shot some weddings and knew that I was on the shyer side and said, so do you find it interesting that you can go to a wedding? There can be a hundred people there for, you know, you're doing a group photo and you've completely come out of your shell and you can direct anyone and you can do anything. And you're this completely different person. I said, yeah, I don't even think about it when I'm at a wedding. Um, So I think that shooting weddings has brought me out of my shell a lot. And I would, I'm very outgoing. Um, I like meeting people and being around them, but also I very, very much need my alone time. I feel like a lot of wedding photographers are like that because we are around people so much that like at other people's parties and go, go, go all the time that when I have my downtime, I I do, of course I enjoy seeing my own friends and family, but I do need my own time to recharge very much. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's funny that it's funny you say that because I think like there was a time, for instance, when I would have, I would have said I was a complete introvert. And obviously over the last five or six years, especially with, since being part of Nine Dots, you know, and doing and shooting weddings. You know, I've obviously shot a load of weddings, but also hosted conferences, yeah. s- spoken on stage, and it's stuff that I never ever would have said I was going to do ever. But now I would. I don't know if I would completely describe myself as an introvert anymore. So I think you can you can change you can change oh, over time. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's. I'm not saying that doing things like speaking at conferences. I don't know about you because you've been doing it. You definitely do it more than I do. But you know, coming to Nine Dots and being on stage and speaking in front of people, as much as I say I'm outgoing, that's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I am so nervous every time that I do something like that. Once I'm on stage, it's fine. Um, But do you find you get nervous still before you do this? The thing with me is I get so nervous that I need to be really, really, really well prepared. Otherwise, um, I, I I I can't do anything off the cuff really. Or sometimes I can, but I need to really not think about it then. I can only do it off the cuff if I'm totally not thinking about it. But yeah. as, soon as, as soon as it gets in my head, then I can't do it unless I'm, unless I'm super well prepared. Um, but and obviously I've worked with people and seen people on stage over the years who are just incredible at kind of off the cuff, 
you know, just thinking of things and being funny and, and having loads of charisma. And I'm like, Oh, I just wish I was like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. People at weddings who, you know, be talking to someone beforehand. Do you have your speech ready? Like, do you know what you're going to talk about? They're like, no, no, I'll just, I'll wing it when I get up there. And they do a phenomenal job. And I (laughs) I don't think I could ever do that in a million years. I need something pre-written for sure and memorized. I'm so envious of that, but in a way, I like preparing for those types of things because if I was to do it off the cuff, I wouldn't, I don't think I would do a particularly bad job, but I would forget, like uh, I would, for, afterwards I'd think, oh, it would have been so cool if I'd said such and such. Of or, course. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, so, so being prepared, I think helps me make sure that I say the things that I want to say, but, um, and I think that applies to weddings in a lot of ways as well. The kind of, uh, yeah. But also the other thing is it's kind of cool to be awkward these days. So you've got to embrace your awkwardness. <laughs> you do. Whatever makes you unique. That's, that's a good bonding. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, getting on, getting on with people is, is is the biggest, I think it's the biggest skill getting on with people and and having empathy that to me, they're the two biggest skills we need, like way beyond being able to use your camera or off camera flash or anything technical. That's how you get those moments. And, and you make people feel that they can completely open up when they're around you. So if, if they're going to cry, they, they already feel like, Oh, well, you know, Jen's just a friend. I can cry in front of her. It's, it's no big deal. So that's incredibly important. That's actually, that's a good point. Actually. It's the one thing that I always think that's really hard, a difficult thing to get past to begin with is to, is to like people, you walk in with your camera, for instance, at a wedding and it's, it's easy for the people who are there to think that those you're taking pictures for you. So they're yeah. a bit reserved because they're like, well, why would I, why would I want to be in your pictures? Mm-hmm. And somehow, sometimes you have to say, I have to say it very explicitly. Like these are, these are not my pictures. These are, these are your pictures hundred percent that yeah. I'm taking. And, you, and I need to sometimes like switch their mindset into stop thinking that I'm taking pictures for me and realize that uh, these are, these are your pictures. Not in like, yep. a, I don't tell people off. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that is a good point. And I, I think that again, they open up after they realize that. So the, one of the other things that you mention on on this page that I'm reading now on the Cooked Photography website is that you you what was it something about when you were you, sh- you were at your friend's best friend's wedding and it changed the way that you saw weddings after that big time it really did what was it about I, it so I grew up with Sarah I you know I know everyone in her family and I knew a lot of well her husband I knew a lot of his friends and family as well and going into that and wanting to shoot it I mean you shoot for like we just talked about you shoot for every bride and groom they're their photos um, but I wanted to shoot I knew all those connections and those moments that were inevitably going to unfold because I knew oh Sarah's so close to her sister and then you know there's this piece of decor is here for this reason and this means so much to them and she's definitely going to have this moment with her dad and I need to be on the lookout for it and I found I just shot it with so much enthusiasm like I always have a lot of excitement and enthusiasm but this was next level and I I just found that after that I try and anticipate and shoot like it would be my best friend's wedding. And I find that you have a different perspective on things. And I was so invested and connected during that wedding um, that I felt I really wanted to learn so much more about people so I could know more of those moments that were going to happen. And when you're emotionally invested in something, 
you're going to do your absolute best because you're even more excited about it and you want the best for those people because they feel like they're your friends or they are your friends. So I have kind of taken that mindset forward since that wedding and I think it's made a difference and I think it's a fun way to look at things. I mean, do you you think you would have been able to learn that lesson without having that kind of being hit in the face with it and really really feeling that at your best friend's wedding? I I think so. I mean, I don't know. I always... like I said, shoot with excitement and try and learn as much as I can about the couples, but that really did take it up some notches. It was just a whole other experience. It's good. It's a bit like um, another, th- I, so back in 2012, I think it was, I did Fair Easty's workshop and he, oh. he, his example at that, at that workshop, which I found it, it was really like light bulb moment for me was he said, if, if you were, if you if we were to shoot a wedding on the moon tomorrow, everything would be interesting. The floor yeah. would be in, the floor would be yeah. interesting. Like everything we saw would be interesting, and we would want to take a picture of everything, literally everything, because we were on the moon. It's true. And he, said, and he said you have to see weddings that way. Like a wedding is the moon, and everything's got to be interesting to you at a wedding. That's like great. oh, that's so cool. And yeah. I, and since then, I think I've tried to. I've definitely tried to do that. And something you mentioned actually that just when you're talking about your best friend's wedding is like people's houses. So sometimes I think I remember thinking back to early in my career, I'd be in people's houses and I think oh, it's a mess and this decor is awful. And you know, that's a bad background. You know, there's a mess that is just pictures on the wall over there. That's messy. And I used to try and avoid and so I'd, all that kind of stuff. But then over the years, I've really grown to see that, you know, that's not mess. That's, that's people's lives. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I think, oh, why do people get ready at home? It's such a mess. <laughs> why don't they just get ready in a nice bland hotel room with, yes. a, you know, a nice big window so that there's not all this mess. And I think over the years I've tried to not embrace the mess, but, you know, embrace the fact that those things mean something to that, to those people. And that she's probably gone to get ready at her parents' house because she spent 20 years, 25 years growing up there. And exactly. that wall has memories and that picture is special. And, you know, that thing that I might think is ugly, you know, that's a big part of her family history or whatever it might be. So uh, I I don't think I made an effort to do that, but I think something changed in me, I guess maybe it's age, but um, to where I started to embrace those things. In the, is that what you were kind of talking about when you're talking about decor and things, best friend's wedding, that you just realized the value of those types of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think you made a really, really good point. And I always thought for years, I had the same mindset as you. and I don't know, I guess maybe over the last five years or so, I realized that it's not about the wedding necessarily. And it's not even about the decor. It's about, you know, you always know it's about the people, but that's, that's the main point. I think as a wedding photographer, if you focus on the actual wedding that, and say, you know, you could shoot at the same venue seven or eight times a summer, and that's going to get extremely boring very quickly, unless you focus on the people. And that's what it comes down to. It's not, you know, if they get ready at home, if you think it's a mess or it's not necessarily great for photos, it doesn't matter because it's those people getting ready in their home. And that's going to mean so much to them right away. And especially in 20 years from now. 100%. Yeah, massively. I remember there was a wedding I shot maybe the year before last and the bride was getting ready at her parents' house, obviously where she'd grown up. And her dad was a huge character, but he spent the whole morning sat on the bottom step of the stairs 
with like a cup of cup of tea and just sat on this bottom step and this hallway was there was no natural light in there at all and it wasn't it was the worst possible like if if you were if just taking it from like an artistic perspective it was you would never take a picture in there yeah but i realized that was like the heart that was the heart of this house and everything was going to go past and the dad was sitting there because everything went past him right if, it, right. if that's if that's where no. he sat yeah. If people had to go upstairs, they would have to go past him. If they had to go from one room to the next downstairs, they had to go past him. So he would, it was almost like that's his throne, even though it was the worst place to sit. And he wasn't, I don't think he was particularly comfortable. So I ended up taking lo- <laughs> taking loads of pictures that involved him sitting on this bottom step of the stairs because I was tapped into, like you say, not thinking, well, this is a terrible room to take pictures in. Yeah. Just thinking, I kind of get what's going on here. I see the, I see the story. Yeah. And, and talking about like the story, Again, do you think that's something that takes experience to to tap into those those levels and having the kind of a certain level of relaxation, I guess, at weddings and being able to relax enough to to see that kind of more subtle stuff? Because yeah, especially because you were talking earlier about you for you, it's the it's the little things. Yeah. So it's hard to see the little things if you're panicking, if you're if you're in panic mode. Yep, absolutely, and I think that. There, there's always a story going on and there's always the big obvious story, which you have to capture, but then there's so many stories within the stories. Like you said, you could have just, you know, glanced at the scene that was unfolding in front of you and thought, okay, well, you know, it's not great light. I'm not going to shoot it. And there's not, might not be a huge moment happening. So I'll just go elsewhere and shoot other things. But that I'm sure when they have looked back on the photos, that's part of their day. And that was probably a big part. And that probably meant a lot to him to have those photos as well. So I think that does, I'm sure there are some people who are straight out of the gates, understand that concept being a wedding photographer. But I personally think that's something that you grow to understand. And when you are calm and invested and relaxed during a wedding, then I think those moments become more obvious to you. And I think it- more exciting too than rather than focusing on just the big obvious ones all the time. A hundred. Yeah, definitely. And obviously I guess we all have friends that, that say to us, does it not get boring? Like going to a yeah. wedding every week and taking pictures yeah. of a wedding every week. But I think definitely if you start to focus on those smaller things and those, those relationships and the people, I even use it as part of my sales pitch these days. When I say to people, I'm not really there to photograph the wedding. I've, I've, you know, I, yeah. I'll yeah. be there for, I'll be there for that day and a wedding will happen during that, during that time. So obviously I'll take pictures of it because it's one of the events of that day, but it's really not the thing that I'm there to capture. Um, yeah. 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 You kind of took the words right out of my mouth there because, every, you know, you shoot a wedding every weekend. They're basically all exactly the same. And if you're viewing it like that, yes, it does get very boring very quickly. But if you're viewing it as you are meeting new people every weekend and you're telling their story, everyone's stories are different. Every interaction is different than the last weekend. It's just impossible to be the same. And that's what I enjoy. And I think that's what you have to look at if it's going to be a long-term career. I do. Fighting like that, you're capturing moments that are never, ever going to happen again. And that's, I don't know, that's the most exciting thing in the whole world to me. Do you ever, th- I mean, I, uh, do you ever find it that it's hard to sell that to clients as part of the- Because, yeah, I guess... It's difficult. I've always said it's difficult really to explain to somebody the value of their wedding photos until afterwards. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I think some people get it, but at times 
you have to instill enough trust that you're going to create these amazing memories and things that they won't even realize are happening yeah. um, or captured in a way that they would not expect. And they're going to have these forever and ever. And that will be the only thing that people have left of their wedding when it's done at the photos. So I think that kind of puts it in perspective a little bit, but like you said, people really gain that perspective after the wedding and it's their own photos. Yeah, definitely. Um, so 2020 obviously has not been the best for a wedding photographer because we haven't been able to do the thing that we love to do. And mm-hmm. I know you're a positive person, so this is not a negative question, but has it, has it given any different perspective for you that's going to change the way that you approach your job, your photography when it all goes back to, no- to normal? I think it has. We've been lucky here in Nova Scotia that things have opened up enough that we've been shooting weddings. I, I think I had a wedding in July. Um, I think that's when I started shooting again, maybe June. So one of the things that people do this at every single wedding and in everyday life, but because this specific act was taken away, when people hug now, I am all over it. It, it brings me so much joy to see people hugging and if it was a receiving line and people were hugging, I thought that was just such a boring photo unless, you know, people were crying and there's, you know, a bunch of people hugging and it was some epic thing. Um, but now just a little thing like that or a handshake and just people being able to interact with each other is, I don't know. It's really special these days. Well, we're not, we're still not allowed. That's still not allowed. None of that's allowed over here. Um, so yeah, I think I'll feel the same. I think I'll definitely, I've, I've kind of developed this, uh, opinion recently that as wedding photographers, we've been quite spoiled for a while because we've always felt and believed that this was a, like an industry that was immune to everything. Yes, it's true. And People are always going to get married. That's what yeah, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Turns out, no, turns out things, can stop, things, can, things can bring that to an end. Um, so I think I'm going to take. I'm going to take far less of it for granted, especially yeah. like you say, some, a lot of the little stuff that, that I probably would have just thought was not normal or boring before is not yeah. going to be normal or boring anymore. And I, hopefully it'll stay that way and I won't yeah. just go back to uh, being spoiled anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, I've not asked this question on here for a while, so this will be the last question. Maybe, I mean, you can answer this as a business, as cooked photography, but if somebody had, if somebody had come back from the future to speak to you and just arrived from the future three years ago and told you that, there was going to be this thing that happened in 2020. Would you have done anything differently in the last three years to kind of be ready for it, either on a personal level or a business level? An interesting question. I don't know. I'm, I'm so happy with how things have gone in my life that I'm not really the type of person to say, I wish I did this or have any regrets. My favorite thing about everything happening, if you can have a favorite thing out of (laughs) a very strange thing to say but it's so much time with my family I kept my apartment in the city but my parents live an hour from here and I moved in with them for two months and that was amazing so I don't know I guess maybe over the last three years I would have tried to carve out more time for friends and family and not quite as much work time Um, but I think that's what a lot of people have realized going forward is more friends and family and a little less focus on work 24 7 I should have known you'd give a positive answer. I'm having a moment of regret now, you see. So I, I, I suddenly had a, a great idea at the end of the podcast that it would have been so great to, to uh, kind of secretly weave in Beatles lyrics into my questions and answers. Oh, that's, 
That's but a good I, one. But, not, but I didn't. I didn't. So <laughs> what a great idea that is to have at the right at the end. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's been a really good chat anyway. <laughs> I, I've enjoyed it. So tell me, have you got a favorite? And this is, you know, I, I feel like you're not going to have, a, you're going to say no, but have you got one favorite Beatles song? One favorite Beatles song. That's a really, really, really hard question. And I think my answer would change almost daily, but I have such a connection to this song and I'm just so happy every time I hear it that I've just seen a face might be my favorite one. I'm learning it on guitar and I've got this very special moment with my dad at a concert the first time it was played and that holds a very, very special place in my heart. But I mean, ask me tomorrow, I might give you something different. <laughs> I could list off 30 more. <laughs> no, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and to, and to have this chat and thanks for taking an hour out of your life to be on the podcast. Oh, I was so excited about it. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And good luck. Good luck with everything. You too. I know you'll do great, whatever, whatever's up next for you, in addition to weddings. And hopefully, when the world feels a bit smaller again, because the world feels kind of big at the moment, hopefully when the world feels smaller, our paths will cross in real life and we can have a decaf coffee in the same room. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be coming to London for sure. I'm, I, I'm due for a UK trip, so it'll be there. <laughs> Amazing. I'll see you then. Thanks a lot to the brilliant Jen Nouse for this great chat. Find Jen's work over at jeffcookphotography.ca or she's Jen Nouse on Instagram. You can listen to previous episodes of the Dotcast anywhere you normally listen to podcasts or to become a member of Nine Dots or attend the next Nine Dots gathering, head to nine-dots.co. Over and out.